Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And I've got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. And now it's the champions tonight. There's my guys, Michael LaHood and Nigel Rio. Coker, Mike, how you doing, buddy? I'm reinvigorated. I'm recharged. And Nigel's back, so it's going to be a good show. I thought you were going to say something about Africa right there. I mean, come on. Uh, I'm going to tee up team Africa. right now is Morocco. Give me something, please. I'm, I'm going to tee up Africa when we get to it. That's the re-energized, reinvigorated. Work with me here, Ian. Work with me here. Nigel, come on. All right. Nigel, big dogs went out today, man. Some big dogs, including Spain. Ciao, ciao. Well, Ian, I know you like the intros to be short. We're going to get into the games, but it was great. It was great games today. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I love what this World Cup is bringing when it comes from the football aspect. It might be the best World Cup I think I've ever watched. Yes, mm. I did put it out there. It might be the best I've ever watched. And we're not even <laughs> done yet. We're only oh. just getting started to the big dance. Mm. Let's take a look at the teams that are left in the competition right now because the quarterfinals are absolutely set. Michael Lude, give me a reaction when you see the big dogs, including Ooh. Morocco, by the way, who have conceded only one goal to get to the quarterfinals. Sensational brackets right here. And the last day or two, all I can say is, wow. Wow to some of the underdogs. Wow to some of the teams that top their group. And it kickstarted today with that Morocco-Spain match. Nigel, I'm going to give it to you. I called you the craziest man on this show to ever step on this show. But I don't say this often. You were right. <laughs> Carry on. I'm listening. You're making me blush. <laughs> Ian, you ever seen a black man blush? He's making me blush. Carry on, <laughs> no, this is the, if you're a neutral, this is a tournament for neutrals. This is the World Cup for neutrals. How it started, it started really in sadness and a lot of question marks surrounding the politics of this World Cup, the governing body, 
But since we've gotten to the football, it doesn't take away from the atrocities that happened going into this World Cup that continued at the start of this World Cup. But man, oh man, this is delivering on the entertainment factor. I can't get enough of these matches. Quarterfinals are going to be a whole nother level. Oh, yeah. And our These quarterfinals are absolutely sensational, Ian. Uh, hit nations with rich history of footballing culture. And this is where we're really going to see how good these teams are now. I am so excited for these quarterfinals. You know, obviously being British, you look at that England, France, there's mm. so much history there. I can say from a deeper person, a deeper um, level of knowing, being in dressing rooms from the younger days, playing against the French, playing with French players, knowing the animosity that they have towards English players, how they hate English players because they feel English players are overrated, overhyped in the press. This is just going to be sensational. And I know Mbappe is going to be a man on mission wanting to prove he is the best player in the world and also have a little dig playing against England and the whole Premier League thing, not going to the Premier League and all that. There's so much in that game. You talk about Brazil, and for me, I just want to put this out there as well for, for the fans listening. I think what Brazil did is totally fine. I remember from my younger days watching Romario, Baberto, Brazilians have always celebrated. People need to understand it's part of their culture. The samba beat and Brazilian players dancing, that is Brazilian culture coming out into football. Anyone who has an issue with it, who finds anything negative about that, needs to just go in a corner somewhere and keep their <laughs> opinion to themselves. Let people express themselves. You you say Brazilian, it's part of culture. It's part of World Cup culture. If you yeah. look back at it, some of the... Exactly, stuff, yeah. But do you know what it is? World Cup culture. The only reason why I'm saying it, Ian, is because there's been a lot of talk by certain ex-players mm. and pundits. It's disrespectful. It's this. You've watched World Cups when African players have danced and celebrated. Yeah. It's part of culture. And that's the word that people have to understand. These Call people out names, making... Nigel. Call out names. Go straight <laughs> for the person. All right, is there an we'll accent? Forget, is there we'll, certain we'll, we'll Irish accent? Kino's a little bit wild. We'll forget him, but we'll go after Kundi. Let's go after mm. Jason Kundi. What's he on about, man? Come on. See, you've given him a platform. I don't even want to pull his name because it's just not relevant to give him that opportunity. Oh. But if you don't appreciate and understand people's culture, just be quiet. Because dancing and celebrating mm. has always been part of the World Cup. But why are you all of a sudden now want to make it such a big deal when the Brazilians have done it so much? And you just yes. wish you had that bit of culture, a bit of rhythm in you, probably. So... Yes. I agree. And I think when you look at some of the nations down the years, the history mm. of years, it is not just the Brazilians who love to dance. It's also the Colombians who love to dance. The, the South African Americans countries. in particular. Cameroon. Mm. Not, I'll never forget Roger Miller when he scored yep. in 1990. That was probably yep. the first World Cup that I tuned into in depth. And it was sensational to see the dancing. Uh, before we get into some of the games today, let's get to some of your comments here. Sam Perman saying Morocco is taking down all of Iberia. I love <laughs> to see that right there. Omar just came on and said, Cristiano Ronaldo obviously starting from the bench today. Tried to get his goal when he came off. Uh, Verdan Zanko, he says, Morocco and Croatia from the same group on the mm. qualification. So well done to them. And then we had one coming in from Arbo. He said, who's this Fernandez dude on Switzerland? Stop keeping everyone on site, man. <laughs> Not making excuses, but the Swiss miss Vidmar. They absolutely did do, but they looked a lot mm. like Stu Holden said on the broadcast today. Like Swiss no, cheese. No, 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 no. That's Nigel's boy. Nigel's yeah, boy. Stu my boy, but that was a very yeah. corny joke. Jesus Christ. Here's the best comment coming in right now from Vic. He says, hello, Mike. The Drake. 
Dr. Nigel warned you, baby. I, I told you. Man, oh, my, man. Come on, Vic. Very Come afraid. On. Vic, I thought, you were, Vic, I thought you were my boy, man. I thought you were my boy. Don't be calling Dr. Nigel anything. Don't give him that sort of confidence. He doesn't need that. All right. She can let's me, get you into can call it. me Professor. <laughs> Teacher Nigel. Let's get into it. Uh, of course, the, the final game's kicked off today in the round of 16. Portugal taking on Switzerland, only just recently finished. Portugal with a massive victory, six goals to one. Gonzalo Ramos scored a hat-trick. Many people out there are just being introduced to Gonzalo Ramos. If you watch the Champions League on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports, you will have witnessed. And had you been watching House of Champions, shout out to all our Benfica followers out there, you would have heard our in-depth discussion about Benfica and what they do in producing some of the best players. Gonzalo Ramos coming through the Benfica youth academy and all the way to the first team doing so well in the Champions League and now taking over on the national team level as well scoring the first hat-trick at this World Cup and has now four goals in four games for his national team shout out to Rafa Guerrero as well who got himself a goal shout out to Pepe the 39 year old 132 games for Portugal and his eighth goal scored for Portugal also his second World Cup and then Rafa Leao came off the bench to get his second World Cup goal this was a convincing victory from Portugal. I did not see this coming. I thought Portugal would win, but this was an emphatic performance. And by the by, Nigel Rio Coker, they left Cristiano on the bench. Thoughts? Listen, we don't need to dissect too much in it. We spoke about it. We spoke about it yesterday, actually, discussion whether Cristiano Ronaldo would be dropped or not. Some people felt that, no, he's not going to get dropped. I said that I think with the reaction and the words from the manager, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the bench. He was dropped. For me, the manager tried to cover it up a bit by saying it's a tactical decision, which for me was there for everyone to see. What did we criticize this Portuguese side about? They were struggling to break sides down. They were too static, two balls to feet, no one running behind, no one being able to stretch them. And I felt that there was too much of a burden where everything seemed it had to go through Ronaldo. Ronaldo gets dropped, we see a completely different Portuguese team. Ramos, every player looked like they were playing with such a freedom and belief to express themselves. There wasn't that weighing on the shoulder of the players where everything had to be through Ronaldo. We had to pass Ronaldo, make Ronaldo score a goal. There was such a freedom in this team. Why do you pay managers, Ian? To make decisions and to manage men and manage Big teams. Big decisions. The decision he made was absolutely enormous. A lot of people would have been disappointed because they wanted to see Ronaldo. But at the end of the day, I've always been a fan of this. It's not about one individual. Football is one of the great games where it's a team sport. As soon as a player starts believing he is bigger than a club hmm. or bigger than a nation, you're in trouble. And when a manager makes that decision, you know the manager is right with the performance that comes of that. Ramos getting a hat trick. That goes now that you cannot even question the manager. And yeah. for me, all I'll say is this. Portugal is a better team without Ronaldo. And I'm not being disrespectful. I'm not taking any way from what Ronaldo can do and has done in his career. But right now, that performance day proves Portugal is a better team without him. And they will play the rest of his tournament with him being on the bench. So the same thing he moaned about to do a bombshell interview against Manchester United is the same situation he's going to find himself in the national team now. If they yeah, try and force Ronaldo back in that team, Michael, yeah. Portugal's will lose. 
Oh, I absolutely agree. But we kind of saw this coming. Portugal playing without Cristiano Ronaldo right before the World Cup. And it was Demolition Derby. I think the likes of Bruno Fernandes getting on the score sheet, getting an assist. Diego Dalo getting in the starting lineup. It was good to see them. I think this Portuguese team, they are deeper than people give them credit for. And they are just spoiled for talent. They have good young players. You have Rafa Leal coming off the bench. Gonzalo Ramos. These are players that are just hungry to take over this national team. I think we are seeing the future of what could be. And today was a great cameo for that. The goals that Ramos scored. It's what happens. I look at the difference between these two types of players. Ramos is an out and out striker. We see it on Paramount Plus in the UEFA Champions League. We're going to see a hell of a lot more of it come February when the knockout round comes back. When you have a center forward who wants the ball in between the two center backs, who's so comfortable playing with his back to goal, who can rip it from distance like he showed on that first goal, what a cannon of a shot with his left foot, who can make the near post run. If you're a wide player, if you're a player like Rafa Guerrero, if you're Dalo, who are wingbacks who like to get forward, even Joaquincelo, who can put in a cross we've seen in the Premier League and in this World Cup. When you get into the attacking third, you want a center forward like that that has the movement, that has the movement to terrorize back lines and to terrorize a Swiss back line that is known for being solid. I mean, they made Switzerland look absolutely ordinary today, and that's being nice to them. Ian, I've got a question for you. Please explain to me why we see a complete different Dal Felix playing for Atletico Madrid to the superstar sensational living up to his price tag of why Atletico Madrid purchased this young man today playing for Portugal. What do you think there's he a, needs to do? There's an element of freedom to his play. Yeah. He can float around wherever he wants to go, get on the ball. He makes runs in behind. He is an absolute creator for this Portuguese side. Obviously had his two assists today, um, and I thought he was brilliant. I, I actually put a little wager on him to get a goal because I thought maybe, just maybe, he'll find himself in a position. And a couple of times he made some great runs and he didn't quite find him. But I just thought this freedom that he's got to go and express himself, which is why Atleti paid so much money for him. I mean, the price tag on his head was enormous. But he was playing with such a freedom before he went to Atleti. Then you're all of a sudden under these tactics and, and very difficult to, to really go and express yourself as open and as freely, uh, especially under Simeone, as he does have with this national team. They're saying to him, listen, kid, we believe that you are an absolute superstar here and we're going to get you the ball as much as you can. Go make it happen for us. And you mentioned it, both of you mentioned it, without having Cristiano on there, this is a team. This is not a team of individuals. This is a team who is uh, playing for one another, not playing for one individual to try and get him a goal. Look at the way the game changed when Cristiano Ronaldo came onto the pitch. He was yes. on the pitch and oh. everything was directed to him getting a goal. I understand yeah. the scoreline and everybody wanted to see Cristiano score, um, but it, the game completely changed. Their tactics changed. They were all, and he's signaling, through, put it in the mix and let me go up and get it. <laughs> I mean, that's not how Portugal can be a success, in my opinion, in this competition or in any major competition. They have to play to the individual brilliance of what they have. And some of these kids, by the way, Leal came on and scored an absolute world. They sure oh. the goalkeeper could have done more. You've got Jao Felix uh, creating opportunities and maybe could get more involved in the goals as best he can. Gonzalo Ramos playing the way that he did do. The names go on and on and on. The future of this team is unreal. And this is not a team you want to come up against, even though I think it's going to be a great game against Morocco. They're going to be tested. Oi, Mike, we've just found Ian's burner account. We've got a great <laughs> comment coming from Ian's burner account. Oh, well, my God. What is it? What is it, Nigel? There we go. 
There it is. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. There it is. Show us yep. that other phone that you, you put that text in. <laughs> oh, you, you, know, know, you, read, you read it. I'll read the it for you. Ian, the, I wish you were announcing one? this World Cup. You make NYCFC watchable. Ian Dark and we won't name him are a good crew for the World Cup, but John Strong and Holden are getting annoying. Big, big hey. positive words for you, Ian. Listen, I worked the last two World Cups. Unfortunately, I'm not in the World Cup, and it was per choice not to be in Qatar this year because I wanted to be here with you boys, and I'm happy to be at home with my family rather than going out to Qatar for the World Cup. It, working a World Cup is incredibly hard, and John Strong and Stu Holden are my boys, so I'll never, yeah. ever say a bad word for those guys. I think they're doing a great job out there. Uh, they're certainly enjoying themselves, and I think as you see the, the tournament going on into the deeper stages, you're only going to hear the best from Stu and John. I think they're really excelling at this World Cup. Go ahead, Nigel. I just want to jump in now, oh, back to the game, um, Ian. I was just saying, for me, I think Switzerland had a good chance. But the problem with Switzerland is that I found is they tried to play through Portugal. They made it very comfortable and easy for Portugal. I think early on in the game, they needed to be a bit more direct. We saw the power of Mbolo, but you didn't get to see what he was fully capable of. There were so many times he absolutely strong-armed um, Ruben Neves off. And he's not an easy guy to strong-arm. And you got Pepe as well. Big centre-backs. Six foot something, great physique, great athletes. And he literally made them look, made it look like men against boys. I just felt Switzerland didn't really utilize and play to their strengths. I felt that they tried to feel that they can outplay Portugal in a footballing sense. And yes, they're a good football inside. There are a few times where they did play out the back beautifully well, which also goes on the other hand, Michael, why yeah. if Cristiano Ronaldo would have started, Port Switzerland would have had a field day because there was no way Ronaldo can press as well as Ramos and Felix and um, Fernandez up there. Um, yeah. Yeah, up there. So that also plays to the manager's point of view when it comes to tactics. But I just felt that Switzerland could have probably given a bit more, been a bit more direct, really get some balls in behind. And I give credit to Portugal. Clinical. Yeah. Ramos mm -hmm. was absolutely, his first goal was absolutely sensational. There's Brilliant. no keeper in the world yeah. that can save that. What a yeah. finish. Benfica's producing some stars. You wonder if him... And Fernandez are still going to be there, and for how long? Yeah, I go back and I want to touch on the Joao Felix comment. This is the Joao Felix that got the big move. When he played for Benfica, he was playing closer to a target striker at Benfica. Joao Felix, when he's stuck out wide, when he's more stationary, that is not a good player. That is not the true representation of what this kid can do. I look at both goals. It's coming from him starting wide, drifting centrally, and almost playing like a withdrawn forward. This guy is a forward, not a winger, not an attacking mid. He is a forward. He likes to contribute in front of the goal, and he can score goals. I think he's got a big goal in him in the future rounds. Yes, I said future rounds because I think this mm -hmm. Portuguese team can make it that far. When you go back to the Swiss, Ooh. I think they got it all wrong in terms of their formation. To put Fernandez in there, that was a big of a question mark for me because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The, the fluctuation between this 4-2-3-1, is it a 4-3-3, is it a back three? The last time I saw a Swiss team tinker right before World Cup, it was Demolition Derby again. I think they, they tried to overcomplicate it a bit, got away from what makes them so successful. In that game against Brazil, I thought that was, though they lost, it was a good outing for them because they frustrated that Brazil side. And going into this match, I expected them to do much of the same. But the quality in front of goal, 
When you have players firing on all cylinders like Portugal did today, there is nothing you can do. Though you may have a game plan of saying, hey, we're going to keep it tight at the back. As soon as that first goal goes in, I don't think they had a plan B. And they Portugal really landed the knockout blow early and often. They didn't expect it. They didn't expect that opening goal. They didn't expect that finish in the top corner. And I think it caught them off guard, Switzerland. But I will say this. I felt like it wasn't just Fernandez who really struggled in this game. I thought in midfield, they really struggled in this game. Shaka yeah. really wasn't yeah. the bite. He wasn't the appetite that you saw from him in the previous game. Didn't see any from, from Gibril Sol being that man. Didn't see Freudler step up on the big occasion. I Only felt Wagner. like... I felt like they just kind of struggled a little bit mentally. They were being outpaced. They were being outrun. They were second to every ball. They looked a bit tired in midfield, and that's maybe where they lost the game, Nigel. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I think for me, the only one that I saw with a bit of appetite was for me was Vargas, really and truly, a bit of energy. You looked hungry. Enthusiasm, mm. enthusiasm. But at the same time as well, I felt that Mbolo was starved of service. Yeah. He really could have been a problem. I think that if they encouraged him to run in behind more, get him in that final third, and let him be a bit more free then yeah. But like you said, because they struggled in that midfield, it's hard yeah. to get service to Mbolo. And then at times they didn't think just to stretch the game. And sometimes the foundation of football never changes. It will never change. Sometimes you can simplify the game, be direct. Yes, the game's in, it's, it's changed, but not everyone can play through the heart of teams. Not everyone has yeah. that ability to do it. We're going to talk later on about Spain with Morocco. Uh, you know, they play great football, but again, they're lacking that bite. So you've got to get the balance right overall with everything. And I think that you're right. I think they lost that game in midfield big time. Maybe Ian, they could have been expecting Ronaldo to start. And that yeah. could have been something mm -hmm. that could have probably put a spanner in the works. I agree. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Nigel. I think that's probably why you see more emphasis being put on building up out of the back. If you have a striker that you're expecting to play that's not going to press, the likes of Ajaka is going to get more time on the ball and you're going to get more time as a midfielder to break your opposition down. But the point that was made about Mbolo being starved of service, Going into this match, Mbolo is a very efficient striker. He doesn't need much service in the final third. I think he really struggled as the match went on because Portugal became much more physical with him. He's a striker that wants contact. He wants to spin you. He wants you to dive in. When you're playing against physically gifted strikers, you have to time when you go in for the tackle. You have to time almost making them psych themselves out, show you the ball. I think the experience of a defender like Pepe really showed today. Once Pepe got that second goal for Portugal, it was one-way traffic for him, and I think he and the back line grew in confidence. Yeah, I think the experience tells a, a big tale as to what Portugal are all about. When you have all these kids and a team that's actually playing for one another, having Pepe in there with that experience and that leadership is tremendously important for a lot of these young players to be able to go and play their game because you need to have that one that's always more composed than these young kids on these big occasions to make sure that they're all enjoying themselves playing the way they should be playing, playing with freedom because you can rely on the experience, especially when it comes to the back line. Uh, just, Nigel, real quickly, just on the performance of Pepe today, did, did get his goal, his second national team goal um, in the World Cup. It's a great goal for him as well, in particular. Um, I mean, this was just an outstanding performance from someone who is 39 years old. A quick stat before I let you answer here. Portugal defender Pepe is now the oldest ever player to score in a knockout stage game at the FIFA World Cup. 39 years old and 283 days. Insane. Fantastic. Great performance. I mean, we've seen top players, world-class players at that level play it to a long time. We saw Maldini play till he was 40 and he's another legend. But for me, top class. You know, sometimes it's just if you read the game and have great football intelligence, which is what Pepe has. But also I like Pepe because he's got, as Jude Bellingham said, he's got that dog in him and he's got that dark side. 
That's what he's got. He is the all-round package. We've seen Pepe lose it and we've seen him be intelligent. Like Michael said, he's come across physical strikers like Embolo before. What does he do? He reads the game, knows how to play against strikers like that and he makes it look so easy. But people listening and watching, it's not that easy. But when you're such a good player with great football intelligence, you make it look just so easy. Great performance, captain's performance for me and he's probably the true leader of that Portuguese team that doesn't get the credit. And then he handed over the armband as soon as Cristiano Ronaldo came to the sidelines and then every pass went in his direction. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. More to come from us when we come back. We finally get stuck into that Spain-Morocco game and a big surprising result at the end of it. You're watching House of Champions. Be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Don't stop watching the world's best soccer stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live on Paramount+. Plus. It's soccer's ultimate annual competition, not for country, but for clubs. Sign up today for 50% off an entire year using the code ALLYEAR at ParamountPlus.com slash sports. Welcome back to House of Champions. It's Ian Joy, Nigel Rio Coker, and Michael Hood with you. We are just trying to examine what we've witnessed today. Morocco against Spain will be a difficult one to analyze. No goals through 120 minutes. Then the penalty kicks took place, and all of a sudden we found out the real truth. Who had it? Who didn't have it? And Spain did not have it. Michael Hood, what went wrong for Spain today? Every second that ticked on that clock... The Spanish players and Luis Enrique were going back to every World Cup where they've gotten knocked out. Go back to 2018. This reminds me so much of that knockout round matchup against Russia. You have a stadium that looked like a home match for Morocco. It was a sea of red. It was a sea of Moroccan flags, and you could feel the energy. Every pass, every ooh and ah, every defensive tackle, every defensive movement for this Moroccan team, they're a team that's built to defend first and attack second. And when they go, they go like barn burners. I go back to how the game really started. Spain not taking their chances. I go back to lineup decisions. This one's on Luis Enrique. When you have Alvaro Morata, so much made of Morata not taking chances at the previous Euros, and he comes in this World Cup, three goals, one assist. How in the hell do you ever, in a knockout stage game, leave a striker who is your leading goal scorer on the bench, and then you make was, another big decision. That, too. that was a bold decision, and it backfired. And then you make another decision to put a center midfielder in Marcos Llorente at right back when you have two good right backs. Aspilicueta, maybe not having his best seasons, but when he's asked to do the job at right back, he can do the job. And Carvajal, how in the hell do you not put Carvajal at right back? That, that's just mind-boggling to me. And I think Enrique just absolutely overthought this in the end. 
Ah, Ian, 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 what can I say? I, I did call, I was the only one that called Morocco to win this game and people thought I was crazy. Don't know what Kool-Aid I was drinking <laughs> from, but maybe Michael should have had some too. Um, yeah. Let me just, I don't know. Ian, I'm going to be very simple about this. We spoke about Spain before this World Cup. We said they were lacking that killer instincts, that real edge in the final third. I wasn't carried away by the win against Costa Rica because I felt that Costa Rica kind of just gave up and didn't want to be in the World Cup, it seemed, at that game for some reason. For me, Spain remind me of like a boxer, a boxer that's only got the jab, no knockout. So you can take risks with them because you know they don't have a knockout punch. They play great football, beautiful for the eyes to see at times, but there's no real end product. There isn't that other side of Spain, that edge, that individuality. Spain, for me, have become so programmed with all the players that they have and they produce, they're so programmed to play a certain way. When you look at the teams that Spain are going to be coming up against or the teams that Spain should be competing against, you look at Brazil, the individuality. And I think for me, let's just go back to Morocco. Morocco, as Michael said, team built to defend first. But when Morocco get on the ball, Michael, the difference is you can see the players willing to take chances, not playing to such a structured system, showing some great skills, individuality, the way they move the ball, the way they pass the ball, you can see there's such a greater freedom with the Morocco players than there was with Spain. I yes. am not surprised the slightest bit. I always said, once you come across a structured team that knows how to defend, that has players that are capable and comfortable going in one-on-one -on -one situations, but your team is so structured into playing a system, you're going to find it hard in the modern game. The modern game needs to start encouraging young players to be more like Neymar, to have that individuality, wherever you grow up from, wherever your culture is, wherever it is, have that freedom to express yourself, whether you're playing street football, five-a-side football, learn to take it into a professional dynamic because those are the players now that are going to unlock these doors because we're seeing a lot of athletes, which is a basic bottom line, but we're not seeing a lot of great footballers. And for me, Spain, just the jab, no knockout punch. And I'm not surprised that Morocco got through. I think you're also starting to see and recognize that some of the smaller nations and certainly smaller mm. continents who haven't had necessarily the best of success at major tournaments now producing proper footballers. So now they're able to compete yeah. against some of these bigger nations who have historically had success in major competition. So you're seeing the gap really getting a lot smaller. Morocco defensively were just unbelievable. I thought in midfield, again, they were great, but defensively, the goalkeeper, Benu, we can obviously talk about his penalty kick save. But again, as an, a goalkeeper who missed out in the last game, for whatever reason, he, he was there for the national anthem, disappeared for a game, and then came back to play in a knockout stage game at World Cup and put out a standout performance. You were not the only one, Nigel Rio Coker, to predict that Morocco were going to get this victory. I went online to have a look at this. As you all know, I enjoy a little bit of a wager. There was one... Oh. We put $90,000 on Morocco to make it to the quarterfinal. He oh, my gosh. Him $1 million today after they knocked Spain. <laughs> he put 90000 down. Smartest $90, man in the down. room. He probably yeah. was listening to me. He was listening to me. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me show you Go. something that's actually quite amusing. I don't know if you guys mm. can see I saw it. <laughs> well, I'm but nice. Spain today, people. Nigel, I'm so glad that you are talking about this player. When you go down the spine of this Moroccan team, I think of the word selflessness. A player like Amrabat, who plays for Fiorentina, you can catch him on Paramount Plus for Serie A coverage throughout the season. His selflessness to run for this team, to make 
the, the, the unsung hero sort of plays is massive. There's an energy about this team where each tackle someone makes down the spine of the team, it energizes the team. It energizes the next player. Akim Zias is running back, tracking back on defense. So much has been made about his attitude and attitude problems for club and also country in the past. It looks like a completely different team. Masrawi as well. I think this is a Morocco team that could arguably have the two best outside backs at this FIFA World Cup. If you put them on the Brazilian national team, it is an ultimate team. It's like a FIFA ultimate team. I know I'm taking pot shots still at Brazil, Nigel. I see that wry smile. Got to find fault in this Brazilian national team yeah, but somehow. Don't, don't forget where they play, though, right? One's at PSG oh, and one's at Bayern Munich. I mean, they're, they're doing all right. No, they're, they're, that's why I said that they're, they're, they could be two of the best outside backs in the entire World Cup. I think when you have outside backs like that, with Morocco, you know that they have the fitness level to bomb forward. You look at Buffal, who was class today. Oh, he he ran so circles and rings around Llorente. That wasn't even fair. I was expect I was shocked Llorente stayed in as long as he did. That would have been my first sub at halftime. He was a liability at right back. But the freedom that you have as a winger, when you know you have a world-class outside back bombing down the field in transition that gives you so much confidence to go express yourself. And with each second that ticked on the clock, with each minute that advanced, you could see Morocco growing in confidence. And they 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 would have known Spain's record. And Ian, I know you have this stat. Spain's record is woeful in penalty kicks at the FIFA World Cup. And now they've hit a new milestone in being the team to lose the most penalty kick shootouts in World Cup history. And mm -hmm. RC, what you got to add? No, I just think Michael's right there. I think that the an analysis there for me is perfect. I think for me, when you look at Spain now, like I said, they produce great footballers, but they're all the same and they're becoming too predictable. They need to encourage now a bit more personality and indiv individuality. And I saw a comment from Vic there putting some money on Morocco. I'm sure that was with my recommendation there. And I wonder now if the Spanish manager, Luis Enrique, is going to Twitch something. He's going to be on Twitch. He's going to go, he's going to go on Twitch now to talk about his lineup. I think he was on there. <laughs> <laughs> Explaining sure himself yeah. already. Uh, real quickly, uh, before we get out of here, just on Amrabat, obviously many mm. fans out there who watch Paramount Plus have already watched him play for Fiorentina. His statistics today were insane. I wanted to just check them out for you because he won seven out of seven ground duels, whatever that mm. may mean, but he also won four out of four tackles in the game. The guy just looked like a mean machine in midfield complete domination. Um, and the one player I will say that, that really shone for me was, was Williams when he came on for Spain. Yeah. He was the only one player that I thought, get him the ball and yeah. you have a chance of winning this game. He looked dangerous. He looked excited. He looked like he was going to cause problems. And then Morata came on and, of course, left the shooting boots in this game, clearly <laughs> pissed off that he didn't start the game. Spain have got some issues and they've certainly got a long way to go before they're competing against some of the best teams in the world right now. I am very happy for African soccer. I am yes. very happy for Moroccan soccer. What does it really mean? Mike, what does it mean for Moroccan people right now? Because we're seeing celebrations in pretty much every major city in the world right now from their Moroccan people getting behind their team. Incredible to see. Uh, this is what the World Cup is about. I mean, Morocco is one of four African teams to reach a World Cup quarterfinals. That is just storied company. Cameroon doing it in 1990, Ghana in 20, what, 2010, Senegal in 2002, and now Morocco in Qatar 2022. They will never have to pay for another meal 
in their home country again. What I love most, this is a national team that has a combination of players born in European countries and players born in Morocco. You think of the recruiting that goes on. You think of the immigrant families who previously were thinking, ah, maybe like Hakimi, maybe I have to go through the Spanish national team to get a chance at playing in the World Cup and being competitive. No longer. It's a great leveling field to see players from Europe, players from around the world that can now go back to the country of their parents' birth. It's only going to increase the level of quality in African soccer. I hope other countries take note, especially in West Africa. And man, oh man, one day I really hope that the that Sierra Leone, my home country of Sierra Leone, I know, Nigel, our country of Sierra Leone, so I know you got Sierra Leonean blood. I would love to see the likes of a country like that competing at the FIFA World Cup. It's going to take some time, but this is a big win for African soccer today with this Morocco performance. I I just like the fact, Mike, for me that they're doing it and there isn't that stereotype there. And I think for me, and I speak for you guys as well, I I believe in this, that you'd love to see a nation win it that hasn't won it. I think that's what's going to be great. A nation that hasn't won it to win their first World Cup coming from a different region will be absolutely fantastic. I think when FIFA get their act together and actually make qualifying a lot more easier for the continent of Africa... Mm-hmm. Not the country for the uneducated, but the continent of Africa and more African teams have the ability to be and qualify in the World Cup. We're going to see some amazing things happen because sometimes you worry so much about the qualification process. But people need to understand when you get into this tournament, there's a different adrenaline that goes pumping where anything is possible. And we've seen it with some of the upsets from some amazing nations. And I feel when more African nations get in there and can see that there is progression, that there isn't opportunity to get there and actually dig into the resources that they have they've got players now who've played at the highest leagues who've played for some of the best managers who want to get into that manager zone into that coaching zone there's so much that could be achieved if they actually just do it the right way I think in history, we've always seen individual success from African players when they go on to obviously bigger uh, clubs. They play for historic clubs in European game. I think now you're starting to recognize that it's not just necessarily those big names. You're now starting to recognize there are nations, there are teams that need investment. That The young players, if you can just invest a bit more in African football, if you can invest more in the academies, if you can invest more to, to these young street kids who are playing balls, uh, playing ball without a soccer ball, if you can invest invest, then maybe we will see some of these nations be able to compete on a bigger level, on a major stage. I would love to see it where we are seeing an African team in the final and competing. I really would love to see it, but the commitment has to come from the governing bodies, from a lot of these major European clubs who are already jumping into the African market, recognizing the big names. But now it's not just about the big names. Top European clubs are recognizing you can build a team, a successful competing team on the European stage with African players. And I think the more investment, the better for a lot of these kids. Yeah, I just, go on, go on, I just want to give a big shout out to the manager, Walid Ragragri. Just what he's done in a short amount of time. Remember, Hali Hazic was the manager at the African Cup of Nations. This was a team in turmoil, a lot of big identity crisis, big stars that came Ziyech, Mazraoui, not part of the fold, did not think they were going to get here. And now there's redemption. There's more unity that he's created. So congrats to the players, but also congrats to the manager to do what he's doing. That is miracle working and it's paying dividends. Just to add quickly before we go in, what you said there is 100% right. If the governing bodies in a lot of these African nations stop messing around and do it the right way and stop being selfish, great things can be achieved. I think someone made it a point in our pod the other day. The reason why Senegal is doing so well is because it's a stable country 
And the money that they get from FIFA and all that type of stuff actually goes to football development. It doesn't go into the pocket of one person and he hires who he wants and then the, the, the country stays stagnant because a lot of the African nations now in the whole continent have players who've played in Europe and all around the world. So the talent and the knowledge is there. If they use the money in the right way and stop BSing, there could be a lot more competitive nations in Africa competing in World Cup. Yep, Morocco certainly setting the standard right now with their achievement now making all the way to the quarterfinals of the World Cup. Let's see how we did in our predictions uh, going into this one here. Um, Nigel, how'd you do, mate? Oh, I've got Morocco thing. It's the dumbest thing ever. Like they're wanting PK. Oh, here we go. Because you guys said PKP. Well done. I still get, get a win anyway. It doesn't matter. You get the bonus. You know, at the end of the day, you get the bonus. <laughs> Thanks, so. Lisa. You could have saved this to the end. Our great producer, Lisa. Thank you. Producer Lisa, thank you very much for throwing that up there. It's exactly what we were needing right now because Nigel has been raving about himself and his predictions since the beginning (laughs) of the show. How he got it right, and at the end of the day, he got null point, null point. All right, final words before we get out of here. I thought it was pretty awesome to see Hakimi take that final penalty kick and then go and kiss his mother at the end of it. He seems to be doing this after every game. It could be for luck, but also I remember seeing an interview with Hakimi back Mm -hmm. in the day when he was playing in the Bundesliga, which is where I started to really follow his journey. And he said, my parents had gone through hell to get me into playing soccer my mother cleaned houses my father was a street vendor just so that I could actually go and play soccer my brother sacrificed just so that I could play soccer and now you see him repaying obviously his family but also this is a kid who was born in Madrid born in Spain and obviously played uh, for Real Madrid knocking Spain at a World Cup that must be a magical moment Mike Mm. you go first on this one for him to go to his mother and his family and his people at the end of that game special special moment for someone like him man this is the stuff that every footballer dreams of to share these amazing moments with their family and to do it against the country where you were born in where your parents moved to so you could have a better life did everything they could so you could have a better life to reward them with this sort of performance i love it and what i love even more we talk about culture celebrating dancing i love the little penguin you did afterwards i wish i could do it don't have the same rhythm he has though but work on that now ian this is what football's made of and i think for more so our listeners who are based in America who don't really understand football deeply. I think these are the moments where you have to understand where these superstars that you're seeing understand the journey and the sacrifice it takes to get there. It's not just, oh, I want to play soccer and then you let him put into an academy and it just happens like that. No, all the greats that we look at have had to do some deep sacrifices to get there. Even Ronaldo, you look at his story, Lionel Messi. I think it's great. And one thing I can comment more about it, Ian, is one of my great friends that I grew up with, still one of my good friends, is Moroccan. I call his mum, mum. I go to their house. I hang out with them still. They're like family to me. So I understand the Moroccan culture. They are very, very family-orientated. And for him to do that is not a surprise to me because I've seen how family-orientated my best friend is with his family and his mum, his dad, and stuff like that. And that is just shows how deep, football is and the journey that it takes to get there for some people and what it means and it's not just a simple walk in the park 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Well said, boys. Great stuff as always. I appreciate you both for getting to that 40-minute mark. So it's time for producer Lisa to get out of here and go and have a nice glass of wine to enjoy the rest of our night. Nigel Rio Coker, Michael Hood, thank you very much, guys. We will be back again tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern previewing the quarterfinals. We look forward to that one. But I want to thank everybody out there for listening to House of Champions. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. We're also available as video, so subscribe to us on YouTube. A big shout out to everybody who has been commenting all the way through on House of Champions to get to this point. Without you guys liking, subscribing, and sharing this show, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have a job. Nigel would be sitting on a beach in Florida. <laughs> Michael would be in Nashville playing the guitar somewhere. And I have no idea what on earth I would do. Probably playing golf somewhere. So Busking in Times Square. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one, man, one man band somewhere in Edinburgh. <laughs> Can't thank you enough to everybody out there and to everybody behind the scenes as well at CBS Sports who puts this podcast on, who makes it happen. We want to thank them as well yeah. because without them, we would not be able to do this. We appreciate you all. We'll be back at it again, as I said, 10 a.m. Eastern tomorrow. Thanks to everybody for watching. Enjoy your night. We'll see you tomorrow.